0: Hi guys thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast uh, today we're going to be doing part two of what was our first recording. Unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties, so we didn't get any video for this segment uh, we've overlaid some footage of some of the events and some of the games that we've had at the club to to help the guys over at YouTube who are tuning in from there. We hope you like what you see and uh, enjoy the show
1: so this um we we have a segment in the in the uh the episode here where we're going to talk about um, tactics, strategy, list building, uh, or list types. Um, So we're going to focus on basic list types, but I'm just going to introduce where this sort of comes from. Um, Over the last probably, I want to say 18 months, um, of playing Bolt Action and being a TO, um, ranking highly within the events, I've been pulling together uh, tactics and strategies specifically applicable within Bolt Action. Some of it is generic across wargaming as a whole, but um, most of it is specifically related down to Bolt Action. Um, it's you know tips, tactics, ways to think about the game, um, and it's things that um, I've not found anywhere else either online or being talked about. Things that are probably innately known um, in the sense that people can play with them and not actually realise the, the strategies or the tactics they're actually mm-hmm. using or not realize the mechanics that they're actually influencing. And so I've taken the time to actually break those things down and and explain out what they are. So uh, there'll be terms popping around, um, like angle of attack, uh, dice advantage, what it means to have turn momentum in your favor. Like there's a whole bunch of things that right then straight off those words, you're gonna have no idea about what I mean. But when I explain them and actually go through it, you're gonna go, oh, I totally understand what that is but it's how to then leverage that in a game, how to actually, to keep things, because everyone wants to play a game and generally wants to win. I'm not gonna say always wants to win, but generally enjoys having a win. These things are just tips, tricks, tactics, strategies, things to give you an advantage edge that if you come across the situation or if you go to set your game plan up, you can look at it and go, I probably should consider doing this. It's not going to be right every time, but certainly over the, the time that I've been playing the game, pulling things together um, and sharing it with other people to help them play the game better, um, it's certainly made a big difference there. I mean, there's, there's a lot of online tactics information around units, how to use specific unit types or how to win using a certain type of list. This doesn't really touch on that that much. It's more about how to actually leverage the mechanics of the game, how to set your army up so that it's balanced to be an all-comers list. Or if you want to go completely the other way, what you need to do in order to play an aggressive list. Like, you, like the minute you find yourself on a defensive footing in an aggressive list, you're already at a point where you're, you're potentially drawing or losing the game. Um, so you can't afford to do that. But So that, that'll be a long project, I oh, expect. Yeah, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll drip feed this as it comes through as, as it's refined and you'll, we've got the first third probably written up that we can go through and we'll drip that out and, and get those topics down. Um, but today we wanted to talk about list types. So some of this is going to be very simple for people who have been into wargaming for a while. Uh, some of it is going to be potentially a little bit new about how to think about it. But um, you have essentially three... Main types of list: uh, you have an aggressive list, a defensive list, and a balanced list. Every other type and subtype of list actually fits into one of those three categories. Mm. Um, obviously, an aggressive list is pushing up, applying pressure, and breaking your opponent. A defensive list is having your opponent come to you, and they bounce off. They just, they just, they hit, but they can't break through, and you repel with a counter and a balanced list has the ability to achieve both or neither. Uh, so it's, it's the or neither part is actually the important part because you're balanced enough that you can build and play your strategy on the fly. Mm.
2: Um,
1: so whilst those are the three different types, there's also other terms um, uh, like gatekeeper is probably one of my favorite terms. Gatekeeper lists are ones that specifically it, it focuses around events where you have a particular list at that event that if you come up against it and if you can't beat it, it's going to stop you hitting the top podium spots or Mm -hmm. the highest rank general or the best minor nation or whatever the award is from a generalship side that you're trying to get. That's going to stop you. The thing that people obviously put it in this box where they go, it's just generalship. It's just how I play the game. It's just, no, it's not. A gatekeeper list actually expands out into your theme, your composition, how well it's painted and presented, because it's just a different form of gatekeeper. So we have one of our, our local hobbyists, Brad Warnock. Um, now, he is absolutely fantastic at presenting a scene on his theme boards and his displays, and his painting standard is quite high. It's very effective at conveying scene and and. You know, his display board where he did the paratrooper drop with the model kits coming off the blackboard yep. that was insane it looked awesome if you want to compete in that category Brad's list is a gatekeeper hmm. like you yeah. just it's it's it, it will always yeah. be a gatekeeper because the way that he builds and he really enjoys that side of the hobby so Part of a gatekeeper list is understanding what you're going to compete against. And so, you know, if you're wanting to go for those podium spots, every, again, everyone likes to win. Let's not kid ourselves. It's, mm-hmm. it's You play a game because you want to be able to win. Um, but you've got to know what competition you're up against. And you've got to know what are those benchmarks that you know you're going to need to hit. So if you do a themed list that sacrifices a little bit of your theme because you really want to run 15 Japanese bamboo spearman squads, that's not really yeah. a theme. Like, yeah. it's, it did happen. Like, I'm not going to yeah. deny yeah. it, that it didn't happen. <laughs> but it's not really a true theme. It's... Um, uh, th- there's, there's no full account of where an entire massed bonsai charge was done using bamboo spears and artillery yeah. for support it yeah. didn't it didn't happen i'm sorry if you can prove me wrong submit it through to the channel i'm happy to yeah. eat crow But
0: I, I will just give you a caveat not on that specifically but generally um one of the things that i've recently come across uh, a lot of people saying people who are much more well-versed in history and technical details than I am. Never say never. Yeah. Somebody at some yeah. point, will, <laughs> it's just because of the sheer number of internet and how grand scale all of these yeah. events were, and now that we're finding how well-documented they are, yeah, somebody at some point will find the definition of MAST, and the definition of bonsai charge.
3: <laughs> yeah, that, that is Was it, and they often, Was it often enough to be <laughs> Was considered to a consider theme, theme of, the And army? That's, And that's, <laughs> that's maybe where I'm coming from. So, um,
1: you know, a an armoured an armored uh, mobility list using German half-tracks, um, like the German pioneers, that was a battle doctrine. That was something that they did. They were mounted, uh, they were mobile, um, and it was yeah. effective. And, and they, they, they did it in the early war, and they went all the way through to the late war, still maintaining that doctrine and, and you know really refining it down to um, to, a, to a real pinpoint accuracy where they could be well-trusted to be able to achieve an objective that's a thing.
0: The Panzer Grenadiers actually did something really similar. They, they originally were using just the half tracks for mobility mm. and then later in the war particularly as sort of the Eastern Front started advancing, they actually, the doctrine changed and they were encouraged to fight mounted mm. and so you would actually just have a squad or you know, a group in a half track and they would use the half track as a mobile trench and they yeah, would just, just fire, over the top fire yeah. from the half track Yep, and yep. Y- you see that and I'm not sure if they learned it from the pioneers or or if it was their own internal sort of uh revelation i suspect considering how siloed the german army operated <laughs> yeah. there was probably a lesson that they had to learn themselves again yeah. but yeah you're absolutely right with those themes it's it, it's not necessarily about being true to a specific event or something like yeah. that but it's about capturing spirit and, yes and, and, yeah. yeah and that's sometimes hard to distill if you're not so familiar But, yeah, it's about capturing spirit. It
1: comes... I mean, the easiest way is when you research your army, right? Like, um, and not everyone does that. um, And admittedly, I haven't done it for all the armies that I have either. But there are some, like my uh, Soviet MKVD, where I did do the research and go, no, I want it to be this time period. I want it to be this sort of a force. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's why they don't, like... They don't have any armor they don't have like they don't have anything higher than a light anti tank gun (laughs) um and you sit there and you go you know but it was it was like 1939 so the blitzkrieg was well underway (laughs) so so like when i go face in in a tournament and i kind of oh there's a panzer (laughs) (laughs) tooth what am i gonna do against that (laughs) um you know it's it's just how it goes but you know i chose a really cool theme over the necessarily the yeah, that I could absolutely. have put into that list.
3: But that didn't necessarily limit you to say that this game is already decided. No, no, exactly right. Yeah. So,
1: and, and I guess that's part of where the, the, the tactics and strategy comes into it as well. So um, I, I took that early war uh, inexperienced, 100% inexperienced early war list um, you know and I actually went two wins one loss at that event um, and I faced off again I actually faced off against Tom's Cavalry Tom's Polish Cavalry <laughs> and beat him uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, to be fair Tom is one of one of the guys from my regular gaming group as well sure. and so I played against that list a lot yeah. <laughs> so I knew what I needed to do Um uh, but yeah you know we you, you you sort of you have to know how to use the tools that yeah. you've got in yeah. your army um, in order to get the most out of it. So I'm, I'm certainly not worried about taking any particular type of unit in the in the vise that, oh, it's bad. Um, yeah. it, no unit is actually bad in bolt action, yeah. Yeah, right? That's right. right? And and I think anyone that tries to tell you that a unit is bad just simply doesn't understand how to get the most out of that unit and yes it may not be as effective as a different unit but that's actually a different question yeah that's or it's not the same
0: or it might n- not fulfill a niche within a list yes and yeah. so uh, and just to sort of touch on this and back up it for those who aren't familiar with wargaming typically what happens at an event or, or if you're having a friendly game with your opponent is that you you will not only just agree on a date and time that you'll play but you also agree on how much how many forces you're going to bring and so then there's all units have point costs assigned to them and then you have a budget let's say for example that if I was playing Jacob in a thousand point game he and I would both have a thousand points to spend on our forces and and it's dictated in the rule book about how many you can bring of which type. so when we're talking about list building we're effectively talking about budgeting um, as effectively as you possibly can within that list if you're going for a competitive environment yes it's about budgeting effectively if it's about theme then of course it's about how well can you capture that theme in your thousand points
3: and different armies have different point values for different vehicles and these kind of things so you know you're, you're, you're heavier tanks are, are more expensive for you to buy which means you can have less of them in your force and less of everything else to include them in and uh, on, on the on the flip side you know uh, a, a m4 sherman is going to be pretty much one of the most well-priced tanks because yeah. um I think it's a medium tank or yep. and um it, it, it's you know it doesn't have the biggest guns it can have big guns mm-hmm. um but it doesn't have the the, the best armor but that, that means that that American player can have more troops within the points limitation that you've set so you, um if you think of it in a in a sense of like a video game maybe you're playing an RTS and everybody's being given you know ten thousand dollars cash and, and both forces are, have have different um different troops that they can pick and choose within that that pool of money that they can spend Mm. um, to 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 make their force composition and and you can choose on how you want to do that so so some lists allow you to have a lot more infantry than others some lists allow you to have more vehicles than others uh, and and most a combination of the two and there are other things in there as well um, you know you can call in air, uh, artillery and airstrikes, and, and have specialist units like flamethrowers, anti-tank, snipers, mortars, um, you know, big artillery pieces, and these kind of things. So there are a lot of options in choosing what you want to spend, um, but they're not necessarily as a bad option. There are more effective options, and really, those can relate to what the opponent is using more so than an all-comers. Yeah this is the perfect unit for every scenario um <laughs> yeah. because you could invest in a lot of uh anti-tank and you might force it face an infantry force um you or might face a
1: tank but it's a t60 light tank with yeah like a, like a little auto cannon on it
3: yeah and and that that's another thing so you know you've gone for a big anti-tank that that's quite expensive and, and the opponent has you know, a very very light tank that that's that <laughs> seventy did, point. <laughs> They've <that laughs> <did laughs> wasted that, that 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 economy for to buy those those units. That so that's the only sort of instance in where things are um, uh, trying to say that they're just um, you know it's not worth the value of paying for points. But other than that, like that's very specific. Yes. Um, yeah. A light tank is just as useful as a heavy tank, and a heavy tank is just as useful as a light tank. And then when you're having a look at the infantry themselves, well, all the units really, there's, there's levels. There's inexperience. you've got regular, and you've got veteran. Um, so inexperienced units are more likely to die. They're, they're, they don't take cover as well, and they're actually worse at shooting. Yep. Veteran units are, are the most likely to stay on the field the inexperienced cost the least the veterans cost the most Yeah. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that an inexperienced unit is bad and a veteran is good because you can field more in- inexperienced troops for the same amount of points as veterans so that neither is better correct yeah. objectively better yeah. objectively yeah. better yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah there are certain situations where you are on the board playing the game and you go no it would be better if these guys were <laughs> yeah, veteran. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. you know but but no, you're right. For the for the most part, um, yeah, that's why, it's, why there's no such thing as a bad unit yeah. uh, in in bolt action because the points equivalency across the board for all your different types of units is actually pretty close. Um, there are there are some specific yeah. exceptions to that, but they're they're quite minimal and they don't often see the table. To be brutally honest, um, uh, but there's there's other things as well, like you know the way that the list. Structure is actually built in a reinforced platoon, really also limits that because you're going to sit there and you go, Well, why don't I just take, you know, four Panzer fours Um, I force Tiger fear on everyone. I've got a really awesome set of guns. The tank's quite hard to hurt, um, you know, but it's tracked so I can go, I literally can drive pretty much wherever I want. Um, you know, what's the downside there? Well. Firstly, the downside is you have four order dice. Um, <laughs> but the the other part to it is, you know, you've got no ability to stay on an objective. Yep. You've got no way to um, to actually harass infantry. And what I mean, by, like, you have shots to harass infantry, but you don't have the ability to generate pin markers. You can generate four pin markers a turn. That's it. Yeah. That's not enough to slow your opponent down. Mm-hmm um you know your opponent's going to have three to four times as many units as what you do and sure not all of those are going to be able to take on the tank but they don't have to to. like the thing is like you can actually not lose a single model and i say this because it's happened to me you can actually not lose a single model in the game and still lose the game yeah because if you don't if you don't fulfill the objective if you don't chase down the guy that's got this top secret map if you don't do the demolition before someone does it to you, um, you know. And we're just talking rulebook missions here, not modifications that we use at events or anything like that. But you can literally not lose a single trooper and still lose the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's because everything is balanced, and and also
0: not too far from the truth either. Mm-hmm. There was yep. a, there was a lot of cases, um, particularly in World War II, where in some very unfortunate sense entire army groups were encircled, mm-hmm. and it's like doesn't matter how many you've got you've mm. got no supplies you've got no food yes you're in a target rich environment you can shoot whichever direction you like but that's not usually going to end well for you yeah. and yeah. sometimes it you know it' sometimes it swings around about sometimes that you can get a breakthrough and that encircle position actually becomes like a defensive salient but nine times out of ten you just get run around in circles and it's game over for you same happened in World War one right yeah a lot of the mm. a lot of the static defenses got uh, sorry early on World War II a lot of the static defenses got overrun. But a lot of those forts never fired a shot. Yeah, and so there's, and while that you know you might be saying oh that's a bit of a false equivalence, it's like sure, but the 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 point that we're trying to make is that sometimes killing your opponent is the worst thing you could be doing with that water dice or yes, that turn. Absolutely, um, it, it's yeah the uh, the acronym I always keep telling myself is because I'm quite sort of. Uh, bloodthirsty when it comes to war games. I the acronym I keep telling us is PTO, play the objective. Mm. <laughs> so, and very rarely, particularly in in event days, and you know, even if you use the word tournament loosely, very few of those missions have killing your opponent as a primary objective, even a secondary objectives. Sometimes they come to tertiary tiebreakers, yep. but very rarely is it the primary goal because it, mm. uh, as we've sort of touched on here. If your event is focused around sort of kill points that encourages a very particular type of competitive gatekeeping list to be built yes which mm. is you know high toughness high damage output typically low mobility will generally favor defensive lists because you know Absolutely. bolt action is you've got much more ability to kill your opponent range than you do close up yep and yeah. because of the way the close combat works it can be very risky um, mm-hmm. even what should be quite safe can actually swing the other way yeah. so and and you know, as a I'm sure Dan, you've probably got something to say, but as a TO, is the most fun game having two opponents line up and just sling rounds at
1: each other across the table? Probably not. <laughs> no, gen- generally not. And it's uh, and and that's often I get asked a couple of times um, by, by some of our, our um, members, um, either, either within the community or within the club, going. You know, but, but you know, why can't the event just be a simple stand-up and like meeting engagement, which is a basic deployment, a basic mm-hmm. mission for killing the units, um, and 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 you know, setting it up that way. And and I'd al- I always answer in the, in the ability to go well, genuinely like because you normally pay for these tickets, right? They, they've got to cover costs and, and get things sorted. Um, would you genuinely want to pay for a game that you've played ninety percent of the time at mm-hmm. home anyway? Yeah. Or do you want to play something different against a different opponent with unknown terrain, where you actually challenged a little bit to, you know, to play a good game? And the point is to have fun. And I would almost argue that you can't have fun if you just play the same thing that you always play. Mm. You need to you need to be willing to flex a little bit. Um, so it's not that I won't include meeting engagement, but you, I might tweak it, or I might I might. It might actually mean that the other two or three missions are ridiculously changed from what yeah, <laughs> from what the yeah, rulebook yeah. recommends, and so yeah, you're going to yeah. have you're going to need some sort of uh, connection to what the, book, the game was like. So um, you know, but it's uh, yeah. So for example, with with panic, right? Um, we're using this for a firefight mission. There is a larger scale version of this mission that will be rolled out into show for the bolt action event so a little bit of a heads up for anyone that wants to know how this is going to go down (laughs) pay attention (laughs) in firefight you generally have 20 or less models right you don't you don't have the each individual man is his own guy so you take 75 percent of your army uh, and you don't use uh sorry uh, and you deploy it within six inches of the center line of the board Mm-hmm. So if you go to the center point on the board and extend that to the left and the right, mm-hmm. and then each model is placed within six inches of that line that you've just mm-hmm. drawn on the table. So like a 12-inch corridor running 12-inch corridor that runs mm-hmm. the length, right? So a few things that's going to immediately... People are just like, that is so close to start right next to each other. Like I can literally yeah. assault yeah. the other, other team ready to go. Well, you can accept the rest of the rules. Um, <laughs> yeah. So... In the first turn, the seventy five percent that's been deployed, every model in that in that twelve inch corridor automatically bars. You do not get a choice about it, and you can't voluntarily go down. So what that is gonna mean is those models panic. Now strangely enough, that seems to be the name of the mission. Yeah. Now so what that means is you're either gonna friendly fire, which in testing, yes, that really was not fun. <laughs> but it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> the other models are obviously going to run away. Yeah. Uh, now, once they run away, they can act as normal. It's fine. They, they, you know, the next turn, they're not affected. But the objective of the mission is actually to keep as many of those models alive from that 75%. Right. So you actually go from, instead of needing to kill your opponent, you need to hide while killing your opponent in a firefight mission where each man is his own man that's a very difficult task and generally what's going to happen is the the side that took more casualties to friendly fire in that first turn suddenly has to become the aggressor because Mm -hmm. they are now one man down and so they now need to go and get get out some kills which is a double-edged sword because yeah. they'll go and get some kills uh, and, and now exposed. the other well, they're exposed, but yeah. now the other player is forced to be the aggressor. So you will have a tug of war between mm. these two forces. So your initial positioning of your first models that you put down for the 75% is critical. You don't want to be stopped by running over or through obstacles because you'll be stuck to six inches you actually want to be able to run 12 inches even if it means you're stuck in the open. <laughs>
0: yeah and you've actually touched on an interesting strategy there that I see um, a lot of players sort of do uh, in the wrong way and I won't pretend to sort of get it perfect every time either mm-hmm. but it's this idea that if you are losing um, the safe play will only guarantee you keep losing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Again rule of thumb and double it sword and all that but the thing is if you're losing and you're behind now is not the time to be playing safe. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah. if you keep doing what you're doing, and your opponent's already built a lead, and they keep doing the same thing they're doing, yep. the lead will either stay the same or it will get bigger. You need to do something different. Yes. You now, if you're talking about a, you know uh, a very detailed tournament point system where how much you lose by is is important. Then you have to think about it differently but generally if you're just going for win-loss which I think is the general rule of thumb yeah um, you need to start doing something different and you need to do- start doing something risky yeah. mm, things you yeah. wouldn't normally do because what you're doing now hasn't worked yeah. yep. and also you've got this other side where people will get a small lead and then they immediately take the pressure off like uh, uh, you know even if you're talking about playing a balanced or a defensive list when you're talking about, when I'm talking about aggression, I'm not necessarily talking about you know moving forward or not being defensive, but you need to apply pressure, constantly mm-hmm. be applying pressure. If you've got a small point lead and your opponent wants to win, they're going to start playing risky, which means they might be able to risk a big point swing, which means your small lead's now useless. Yep. Yep. And yep. so what you need to do is you need to keep applying that pressure mm-hmm. and keep getting that lead. Make that comfort zone bigger. And then you can start doing some stupid stuff, if you wanted to you see it a lot in sports um, and sometimes you see you don't see it often enough in sports yeah but yeah. that's if you want to try something stupid get a big lead first but if yeah. you're already losing now's the time for stupid yeah because yeah. you thought it was stupid and you're now losing so yep. now it's time to rethink about what you think is stupid yeah <laughs>
1: that's exactly right and you've, you've actually touched upon what um, where what, what I referenced as yeah. turn momentum yeah you uh, so we'll, I'll, I'll definitely be able to cover that in depth later on um, <laughs> down the track but it's exactly those sorts of concepts and yeah. how to how to understand when your momentum is going in negative so you actually need to pick it up yeah um, you know rather than because normally when you normally don't notice when you're in positive momentum because everything's going swimmingly everything <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. I'm beating the daylights ice. out of my opponent yeah, yeah, this yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. I don't need to 100% make sure that this unit's on that objective until right at the very end, where your opponent's actually closer and you lose.
3: Yeah, Um,
1: Yeah. you know, it's there's there's a few things there that go into that, but no, that's a good
3: point. Mm, Definitely, Uh, yeah. Just thinking of those moments where I've charged an assault squad with a sniper and and won, like. Yep. Sometimes those yep. those things are the right decision to make because you know how much impact is that sniper going to have? It's going to take out one lone soldier every every turn. Yeah. So what six for the game? <laughs> yeah. May as well see what he can do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if next. you're lucky, you'll get
0: a team yeah. or something. Yeah. But next you know. minute, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so true. So, yeah. oh, so true. <laughs> so, yeah. And it's the it's the same thing that uh, you know you have to take the play. And this is I yeah. think, and this is. Um, something else that that I struggle with playing some other like competitive video games and other environments. uh, You cannot associate the outcome with whether or not it was the correct decision. This is a mistake a lot of people make and I do it all the time. Because of the element of chance and also the element of the execution you can make the right call Mm -hmm. and the dice can screw you over which is the nature of the game. There's nothing to be upset about there. You can make the, what is the right decision? But take the wrong execution steps. That's not related to the dice. Yeah. A lot of people have a hard time identifying those ones. But most importantly, if you do something and you puts you in a worse position, that doesn't make it the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. For when you're first starting out, that's usually is the case. Yeah. But people don't sort of grow out of that, or oh, maybe not grow out of that, Right? People don't think about their decisions critically. Generally, right? Yeah. Is you want to go okay was that the right play what are all of the other things i could have done Go. i still think that was the right play even though i'm in a 10 times worse position yeah, yeah. that's what i needed to do it's
1: what i needed to yeah. try and that's uh that's your essentially your risk reward scenario yeah. right and yeah. so um a- again there's a there's a section in the, the stuff that i've been writing to try and get that out of my head onto yeah. paper so yeah. that i can tell yeah. people because uh, you're right people don't think about it and so Um, If I could throw uh, one of the examples that I've got in my pack, which we'll cover when we get to the end but but, So you have a building in the center of the board. There's a German 10-man regular unit in that building that has one Panzerfaust, one light machine gun. Uh, It's 12 inches away from that building. You've got a wall and a barricade, and behind that barricade is a 10-man veteran USA squad with a single bar. Mm -hmm. Two inches further back from that, is the half track that that unit just got out from, right? So in that situation, you got one German unit in the building, the building is an objective, and you got the Americans that are obviously moving up to try and take the building. It's turn five. The Americans get the first dice that's pulled and they move the half track up an inch and a half. What does the German player do?
3: Because they'd have to advance out to use the Panzerfaust with that range. Yeah. So
1: So what's the right call?
3: You stay inside.
1: You stay inside, right? Yeah. And you try to pin that US squad. Try and pin the US squad. Yeah. Right? And so that that would normally be the first response. The yeah. other option is of course you can go on ambush. Yeah. And you can wait okay. for the US yeah. squad to do something, take them out and then try and pick up the half track next yeah. time next time. Um but it's those sorts of risk rewards, it's do I go on ambush? Do I stay where I am? Do I advance out? Now, oftentimes one decision will float up the top that you go, "That's probably the right one," and that's the one you're talking about. If that half track survived, uh, put some shots in and put a pin on you, then you've even got less chance of hitting, and so you're sort of, "Well, I'm stuffed. Like I'm gonna have to wait now." Um, but if the half track was a little bit further if they'd only moved you know yeah. if they had two or three inches you go right fast out of the building we're going to hit that we're going to take the half track out it's a different conversation but those are the things that people don't think mm. critically enough at the time and so i've seen people go well i want to kill i know that the half track's an easy kill and this goes back to your bloodthirsty yeah. stuff yeah. yeah they go i've got a panzer fast, i can get within six inches i'm going to drop out i'm going to take the shot and i'm going to shoot at the marines that are behind the wall yeah. sorry the usa that are behind the wall and whatever i do to them is whatever i do to them so you might kill the half track you might miss but you're not going to kill the Americans hiding behind yeah, their cover, yeah. and all the Americans are going to do because you'll be within six inches now. They'll just charge you, yeah. and then you're done. Yeah. There's no way no one coming out of that. And then
3: all the, move and shoot because all move little, and shoot. Yeah, they'll 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 probably yeah. get the um, that point it? blank, point blank. And that that of so
0: that move and shoot brings me something else. A lot of the times when when you're list building um, is you might end up in a situation where. If you're looking for something that's going to be competitive and effective, mm-hmm. right? The first thing you should be doing is what are the national characteristics? Yeah. How do I utilize them? How do I build a list? Not necessarily centered around them, but that can take advantage of them. If you're playing USA and you're putting LMGs in your inventory squads, rethink your list. If you're talking competitive, yeah. right? Yeah. It, and that's, and like that doesn't say you can't do it, yeah. but if you do it, think very carefully about why because your LMG doesn't get the move-and-shoot bonus or doesn't, your LMG still suffers the penalty. And so, you know, but if you're talking about thematics, now's the time to ignore your national characteristic. Yeah. 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 And yeah. and that you have to sort of be honest with yourself, if you're going for an effective Efficient list to try to win the day—not necessarily win at all costs—but yeah. if you want to go in and go win, use the national characteristics. It's part of the balance of the game. Yes, it's the thing that makes your army your army. Yeah. and so use them. And I, th- I think I see a lot of USA players um, that I've come across won't will put LMGs in infantry squads, and you know, it's like you know, you know about you move and shoot. They don't get it. He goes, oh yeah, but this squad had it, and it's like, yep, fine. If you're going for a historical list, absolutely spot on you know enjoy being my guest and then it's like oh but i'm sort of doing it for this event and i'm like hoping to win quite a few games and it's like you're you're bringing a disadvantage and a handicap to the table because you can't change your list once the game starts
1: no yeah and the one time that you're going to want that like machine gun to be a bar so you can move and shoot so you reduce that penalty yeah it's gonna come up (laughs) up and you're gonna go oh i mean i've I've done it before like my um my American paratrooper army, like they're, they're all running bars, yeah. um, not not LNGs for any of the options they've got. Um, but the purpose behind that is also um, because that my American army is actually quite an aggressive list. Yeah, yeah. And this is probably a good segue actually into what an aggressive list type looks like. So for me, and obviously feel free to chip in as well, yeah. guys, but for, for me, an aggressive list has at least one or two elements of high mobility. So you can be in a place where you need to be. It has a significant amount of not necessarily the fire power in terms of its ability to destroy something, but its ability to fire and just put pins across the board. Uh, and the third thing that it needs to be is compact. So you actually, you actually don't want your aggressive list to have 150 dudes in it like that's because generally what you'll find with your aggressive lists is they tend to be regular or more frequently veteran because they have the ability to survive the damage that comes back at them Um, now with those three things when you've got them together and you're thinking about uh, doing things that starts to make your list quite aggressive so um, my americans that i've run uh, i had a sherman m4 the one that we talked Mm -hmm. about before a veteran sherman m4 there's 282 points with the stabilizer Uh, i did have the one where it's the weaker side armor and catches fire easily so your base sherman base sherman if you're taking if your vehicle has a gyro stabilizer and it's not veteran we think you (laughs) list yes yes Um, that's yeah classic for american players um uh, it had I had a flamer team a bazooka team um, I had two units of eight um, paratroopers with two bars in each uh, a engineer squad uh, they had the flamer team with them uh, yeah single half track air observer team and the the HQ team that doesn't sound like a lot right there's only nine units yeah, yeah. Yeah. but all of it was veteran everything including the half track which surprised a few people but as soon as it had pins on it and i started rolling tens and running away they were like that's Um, actually really annoying (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it also made the big difference um for when it was getting shot at because it was because the engineers were in it with the flamer and generally the bazooka team as well so they're going i want to kill that thing yeah so it was taking pins but being leadership 10 really negates those pins like it's it's yeah, it changes the odds quite significantly.
0: Just out of curiosity, did you run a first or a second lieutenant with that group? I ran a first lieutenant. Yeah, I'm finding yep. that that makes a massive difference. Yep. Yeah. My yep. the list that, that I'm sort of played with um, at the moment is, is quite similar. You know, I got I got three squads of ten, uh, so three squads of nine, um, and then pretty standard support weapons: MMG, bazooka, yep. mortar, sniper. And a Sherman. I had a mortar as well, thank yeah. you. Yeah. And and uh, I'm running a, a pack howard, so thanks for the yeah. tip on that one. Um but what I find is that if you keep like not necessarily in a complete bubble, but if you keep your officer, I- your first lieutenant, in a position where he can like make it if you're expecting a lot of pins, keep him next to each other, you got the plus two from the lieutenant, you got veteran yeah. guys you are not running yep. you're not losing models you are fighting tooth and nail yep. for every inch that they want to grab and, and that's, it's
1: it's a, it's absurd how tough you can be in yep. any given position and that's pretty much how it ran so my the mobility aspect of my list obviously i've got an m4 that was running around i had a half track with an engineer team that was running around with a bazooka so the bazooka gave me a 30 inch range to drop a tank the threat radius yeah yeah. Yeah. Um, the flamethrower was the infantry support in case something came or tank support to be fair if something came off to the half track the m4 was tank hunting Um, but then out of all of that and go well where is the other mobility elements my army the American national rule move and fire for carbines and bars. So all those, the other 16 um, sort of models that were around, I used snap two with the first lieutenant and both them uh, and the lieutenant, they would just start running across the border. I'm not talking advancing six inches. For the first turn, they ran 12. So I had my entire line repositioned 12 inches unless it was a fixed support team or the air observer. Um, Now the air observer, Jacob was actually yeah. on the receiving end <laughs> of that Get this one a few times um, yeah it i out of the event that we that I went and played at in particular, where I designed this list, um Jacob probably actually had the worst receiving end possible <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was it was pretty it was pretty rough um I had a the mission parameters gave us a free artillery bombardment. Mm. I was able to combine the free artillery bombardment and both my airstrikes over successive turns within the same patch of area where Jacob's army got pinned from the first artillery bombardment. (laughs) So at the end of the third turn of stuff coming in and getting pins on it, Literally things were getting pinned out of the game that were like veterans. Yeah. yeah like yeah, that's like right. I was accumulating yeah. <laughs> ten pins on things and they were just popping. And meanwhile my infantry are in the backfield laughing yeah. their heads off. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. But um but it was it was the, the mobility and the, the firepower came from the fact that the air observer would come down and it would go, right, this point here on the table and this point here on the table. Everything within range of that is taking pins. Mm. It was added to by the fact I had the bombardment mm, but yeah. even without the bombardment it was yeah. it was being able to get those pins on things and then have the M4 Sherman go right I'm going to put my AG template down instead of my um, AT, AT yeah. shot yeah. to get more pins on the units and it was by, it was generating the pins to slow down my opponent while I advanced um but their whole army could basically move and shoot with no penalty
3: uh, it was terrifying yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so is there any time playing you? <laughs> <laughs> now now.
1: It wasn't as bad
0: as the doubles no. game where no. we taught Dan oh how to God. play. So if we're talking if we're talking aggressive lists, um we could let's try to sort of distill that example into some principles here. I'm I'm reading high mobility, yep. you're talking high toughness, yep. and you're not necessarily talking lethality. But no. you are talking about ability to generate pins. Yes, mm. and and I think I think that's a distinction that I find quite found quite challenging coming to bolt action. Yeah, um, I'm used to things like 40k and some other game systems that if you you know you hit, you're starting to you're going to do some pretty yeah. decent damage. Yeah. Yeah. Not always true in bolt action, and sometimes and often the pin is worth much more than anything else Mm. it's something that that i've i've sort of learned and i know i still need to learn some more but that's a that's a distinction that we really sort of want to crack home here with this aggressive list yeah and um here's here's sort of something that might surprise people is like dan is one pin on a unit ever good enough it
1: can be it can be and when I it think, needs to be. <laughs> yeah, look. but
0: I think that's and and the fact that you answered it can be not yes yeah. sort of brings about what I was trying to yeah. say yeah. is that one pin
1: is an order test and
0: nothing else. Yes. Yep.
1: Yeah. And and the thing is, um, so I've had games where just having one pin on one of my units has held the unit there for three turns because yeah. they've failed yeah. their order check that can be enough. That can slow down that flank, that center, that you know, that particular key unit. That, Like, for example, a, a flame team's a classic, right? Mm. Flame team gets a pin on it. Gonna go in, I'm right there. Roll the, oh, that's an 11. Oh, okay. Next <laughs> turn. Oh, that's a nine. Well, now they've got two pins, so I still yeah, don't pass. Yeah. Oh, okay, now they're dead. It, it's, it can be enough. Now, you're absolutely right in what we're talking about with the, the pins versus the lethality. So um, when I build my lists for an aggressive list, I don't look at how many models can I kill? Uh, so it's rare for me to use a heavy weapon, uh, like a heavy mortar or a heavy howitzer. It's rare for me to use a heavy weapon of any type. Um, I, I, I generally would try to stay away from some of that stuff, partly because of the points cost, but partly because the pins that they generate per shot actually don't work out as well as more stuff, more stuff, yeah, and 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 that's that's very tricky because if you roll three sixes on that heavy howitzer, you've generated eighteen pins, and it's pretty hard to argue that <laughs> that was effective. But if you roll three ones, it's not fantastic <laughs> at all. Yeah, yeah. My preference, if I if I have the and and what I what I used with that American army in the event, I tried to get at least two pins on a unit before reallocating my target priority, and that's because it stalls them for an additional turn, but I had the movement to be able to make that work. Um, I also had the airstrike that really made that work. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but it, it really, you don't have to kill something to slow it down. And, and oftentimes if you can slow a unit down in bolt action, that will normally lead to its death. Yeah. So if you, if you can slow a unit down enough, that it's stuck you can then do whatever else you need to and mop them up later yeah uh and that's why you know you didn't get into the staying down to drop the d3 pins at the end of the turn end of the following turn sorry or the rally order and predominantly in almost all circumstances when i was using that american list i always rallied as soon as i got three pins on something yeah, because yeah. because I went three pins puts me at sevens that's at about 50% for my 2D roll I'm not interested in that whatsoever I'm just going to take the free rally order on leadership 10 and I'm going to drop as many pins as I can drop yeah um and what that meant was the turn afterwards I was mobile again and I was yeah. able to start moving around and getting those pins off um, it yeah, there's a lot to be said for... I mean, again, I've got a whole section on pin management in the <laughs> yeah, strategy yeah. article because it is a key mechanic in bolt action. Um, and it's the idea that an enemy is so suppressed that they actually can't move. It's not that they're not keeping their head down. It's not that yeah. like they're not looking. It's that they're so suppressed that they actually they, they can't move away from the place of where they are. Um, and so whether they've hit the dirt or the inner ruin or they're out in the open. Um, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're just, regardless of how well trained you are, if you're a veteran and you are still suppressed to the point where you can't move, um, you can't move. That's, that's what it's not because you're, you're not listening to your orders or anything. It's like there's there's a machine gun going right above me and I'm on the crest of a hill. I can go backwards. Do you want me to go backwards? Like.
3: it's also really important in this game because you're making that player who has the pins yep. make a decision yes yeah do i want to be go down so i can keep this unit alive or do i want to rally it so i can actually use it next time yeah
0: and there's and that sort of brings me back to that sort of risk reward play yeah yeah sometimes if you're down to three pins and the reason you're on three pins is because you've got an enemy unit with five assault rifles in twelve or like sorry, in nine inches of you, it's like sometimes going down or like rallying right there is the worst thing you can do. Yeah, because they're just gonna they're just gonna yeah. obliterate they're you again. Yeah, Yep. So and yeah, absolutely. Like the pin management is really important, but but I think a lot of times people get sort of like siloed. It's like okay, so I've got pins. Now we've got to think about pin management, and it's yeah. like mm, you have to think about if you want to keep yeah. that unit alive. Sometimes the worst thing you can do is rally. Yes, <laughs> okay. yeah. Um, it's the whole thing. You got
1: to think about the whole yeah. thing.
3: Yeah, I've, I've been trying to go for an aggressive list lately. Been, mm. the, the deck, I'm just chucking more and more vehicles into them. And I'm, I'm like, it's going to be fun to be up the board right in the combat right there and then. But I'm really struggling with the positioning of those vehicles. Yeah. It makes better sense for me based on non-aggressive lists to hide these vehicles behind ruins uh, and build yes. them to out outer line of sight. They never get in the position that they need to go. <laughs> They're not aggressive anymore. Has anyone so, spotted
1: Jacob's error? <laughs> yeah, look, it's um. I was actually it's gonna tough ask to you do how, in the table on the game. It's very right? yeah because yeah. because naturally you want to protect your assets in the list, right? Mm, and, yeah. and transports are a big asset. Um, you also because you can't guarantee like in some other the games safety. you can't yeah. guarantee the safety of first turn. Uh, you can't guarantee the safety of, um, you know, long-range fire. But an aggressive list, potentially the fourth part that we haven't really, we've talked about it, but we haven't really nailed it in, but, but potentially the fourth part of an aggressive list is you have to be able to take a, a high-risk, high-reward attitude. Yeah. And, and that's, that's actually quite... Difficult to do for, for some players because they're used to being able to play defensive, or um, risk management, or risk management. So yeah. you go, I can I can mitigate my risk by moving this unit back here and waiting for your turn because I've got the time yeah. to spare. Um, whether it's in an aggressive list, you go, No, nah, I'm going to push towards you, and mm-hmm. I have to, I have to. You know, there's other things you can look at when we get to dice advantage, but but if you're pushing a unit forward, you've got to do it confidently, mm-hmm. with, with in, as in psychologically in your head, you've got to do it confidently to go. If this goes pear shaped, it's going to go pear shaped, and I'll have to survive. But I'm doing this with the intent that this unit is going to get out and do something over there. Yeah. Um, but oftentimes, if you are hiding your vehicles either behind buildings or behind walls or behind hedges, you lose some of that aggression mm-hmm. because you're slowing those units down. Yeah. Um, and it's sometimes you might, like if your opponent has an eighty-eight <laughs> that's in the middle of the board, yeah. Yeah. sort of coming across at you. And you've only got one transport. Okay, hide it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. if you if you've got an armored car, a tank, and yeah. say three transports and a motorcycle, yeah, a motorcycle squad, um, you can put all of them out there. The 88's only got one shot. Yeah, so yeah. Target get, saturation. Target yeah. saturation. Yeah. Your opponent is going to have to choose one thing. And if you present mm-hmm. a motorcycle, they're not going to shoot that because it'll have recce. Mm-hmm. If you present an armored car, they may not shoot that because it could have recce. Yeah. So they're either going to shoot a transport, which then depends on what's in them,
3: yeah.
1: or they're going to shoot at your tank. Yeah. Now looking at it, the 88 to your tank and you weigh a first turn shot generally going to be a 50-50 or a so a four plus or a five plus. Mm. Um, you could weigh that up and you could go, I'm willing to let that ride. I'm yeah. willing to, I'm willing to let yeah. you take a shot yeah. at the tank. If they go to shoot at one of your transports, depending on what's in it yeah. you rest in the knowledge that they've taken the 88 and they've shot at one of your transports mm-hmm. it's going to go through it like a knife through butter but your tank is going to be able to shoot at the 88 yep. or your tank is going to be able to go hunt their tank um, and so you have to look at that situation a little yeah. bit differently yeah. but absolutely I would recommend for you Jacob target saturation up front mm. as hard as it is don't hide them <laughs> yeah. yeah but when you get their dice move them and hide them mm so you force your opponent to find it and again
3: another thing I've been struggling with that particular well there's variations on the list but sure I truck in a lot of recce vehicles yep deciding when they should run away and not is so damn hard yeah it, 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 it's because it's i'm moving these up the board with the anticipation that one of the things that you taught me that, that, that i should be looking to do is to get those very cheap motorcycle units right yep. up to the gun shield of those anti tanks. yeah and just and, and just and just so, <laughs> so around them yeah you know, advance moves around yeah. them to the arc that they're not in and these yes. kind of things um i've failed to get them <laughs> to that point because there are there are other things that could that could very easily destroy them, and I'm going ah. Oh, if I recce, I negate the shots at all, but then I've like wasted that turn of movement and these kind of things. These are these yeah. are things I really need to keep an eye out for aggressive lists and how to how to better achieve the result that I'm after.
1: So what I would potentially recommend in that space.
3: Um, and, gee, and now now I'm understanding that you're gonna discuss what I should be doing. Every single person I face is probably going to listen to this podcast with a complete different strategy to, to face me.
1: If you want to beat Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what What you need to... Well, the thing is, the best thing about sort of how I view things and how I set things up is, is situational based yeah. on generics, right? So I'm not going to say advance your model up 34 inches on the left flank mm-hmm. and, and like, it's not, it's not going to work like that. Yeah. Um, what you should do is because I think what you're doing if what you're saying at the moment is turn one they're rushing up yeah so I'm to be brutally honest I'm still relatively new at using recce vehicles specifically I just 3D printed a BA64B so that's that's likely to get some use uh, in my Soviet list my watching and fighting against it and um, obviously reading the rules, I've done that plenty. Yeah. <laughs> um, Reggae vehicles to me have been most annoying when they do their zip up at the end of turn two. Mm-hmm. So turn one, they actually sit and hide on the wings um, or yeah, hide right, in right. towards the center of the board mm. to give your army a chance to advance up to support them so they yeah. don't become an easy target on turn two. Yeah, yeah. Mm. At the end of turn two, they make their run and their dash out onto the the battlefield proper yeah, yeah. Uh, or try to, they go, right, I'm, I want to draw your fire in turn yeah. three. Yeah. And then so at the end of turn two, you set your play up. And in turn three, when they go, like they're going to be presented with a target in the open right away. And nine times out of 10, the first thing they're going to do is go tank, wreck vehicle. And you're going to go... Sweet. (laughs) Yeah. That's exactly what I wanted. Yeah. And you take it straight back to where it was in turn two, which was out of sight or hiding or out of range. And you go, done. Yeah. Like, you, you've wasted your tank's activation, mm-hmm. and then your tank counterattacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so this is that sort of touches on another principle, which I've seen other people use recce vehicles. I'll also caveat, I don't use recce vehicles, I haven't come, a, come across them a yeah. lot, but I, there, was a, there was a pair of dueling aces at your event, Dan, that used them really effectively. Yeah. Um, it's having a pair of recce vehicles, and yeah. what you do is you move them together, or at least in mutually supporting like fire angles. And so what, what ends up happening is you present a target saturation. I yep. have to shoot one of these two vehicles. Generally speaking, most people will only bring one tank, yeah, yep. one armored vehicle. Sometimes you'll see a light, light, a light tank, for example, in an armored car, but that's not as common. Yep. Generally people will bring like a bigger toy. And so then they go, okay, I've got to pop one of these two recce vehicles or i have to pop both eventually and so what they do is they will dedicate a shot to one of them and they will either recce or not but then
3: that other one has the free run correct yeah Yeah. but
0: most importantly if they're not like physically close to each other but they're mutually supporting arcs one of them will get side armor
3: Mm.
0: and that's because generally speaking recce vehicles don't have big guns again generally um so you need to not you need to not get into a slugging match with a heavyweight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you need to do is you need to find the angle and use them. And now, if you've if that sort of worked out quite well for you, you've not only utilized your opponent's shot wastefully, yeah. um, but you've also been able to position accurately and yeah. in a beneficial position with your other vehicle. Is use this hunter killer mentality, right? Yeah, if you're yeah. going for kills, have pairs. One of them's finding the enemy and getting them to respond, yeah. the other one's actually getting the kill. Mm. A lot of people will again will sort of combine hunter killer into a single unit. Yes. Yeah. Hunter killer is separate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You so, need two elements. Yeah. And and so that's that's how I've seen Reki used extremely effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you kind of you can't keep up. If yeah. you're not if you're not sort of used to dealing with Reki and a Hunter Killer pair, you end up you kind of what you find is is by the time you've sort of observed a target and made, decided to act and shoot, your opponent's already one or two or three decisions ahead of you, yep. just yeah. because they've got the flexibility of Reki. Mm. And so, yeah. and so you end up you end up sort of um, like spinning your wheels when all you're trying to do is take out an armored car, and it and it really frustrates you, and suddenly you can't make sound decisions elsewhere. Yeah. And so, yeah. Reki is is really useful in pairs, um, mm. and that sort of the the general principle for me. When I think target saturation or presenting target saturation to my opponent yep. is if I'm going to present one thing, try to present something else that's similar to it. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> force them to choose between the two of them. I will try my best to avoid having only ever one infantry squad that can be shot at. If I move one out to the front, the other one moves out as well. Yep. Because yeah. Because hopefully you're spreading pins because again one pin on two separate units is especially veterans is not as effective as two on one again you know general versus specific um if you're moving an armored car out move another one or a transport or a tank or something like that if you're if you're now the categories are general of course if you're displaying a tank something that can threaten a tank display two if you're if you've got a mortar bring a light howitzer Mm. if you've got an MG team, bring two BARs in at least one of the infantry squad and have yeah. them both visible at all times. Because now the, your opponent is thinking, I need to get rid of something that can apply pins to infantry. Okay, I need to get rid of an MG. What MG do I get rid of? Yeah. Do I get rid of the 36 like flat at the back? Do I get rid of this BAR team? Yeah. Or do I get rid of that tank that's got two MGs on it? Yeah. Or three yeah. because he stuck a pintle on top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, forcing target saturation because mm. generally people go, Oh, but I can only take one tank in my list. It's like, right, but your opponents aren't threatened by tanks. Your opponents are threatened by weapon systems yeah. Yeah. in any given unit. Yeah. Right. Because mm. a, a tank by itself is not threatening. If you had a tank with no ammunition, nobody would be scared of it. That's yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. not the part yeah. that people are yeah. scared yeah. of. Yeah. And so if you can present target saturation um is always a good idea regardless of what Mm. list you're playing i think but also if you can prevent target saturation and those units have recce you
1: have a very difficult combination to deal with yeah Mm. so for example where you've just got the currently the one motorbike um, yeah no, yeah, motor, um, motor uh, I've been
3: very cheeky. I've been using those Africa call lists, so the infantry squads have the, the motorbikes. Yeah, <laughs> and Rekki, nice. And I'm chucking in an eight-ride as well. So I'm typically got three <laughs> recce <Rekki> vehicles. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and then I'm flooding the rest with just half trucks and, and, and yep. a tank. And,
1: um, yeah. So I think if because you've got those three units there, absolutely present, you can present the three options. Um, and be, you could split the motorbike off on the wing right so if yeah, you've got your yeah. two recce on one side obviously you need to pay attention with what your opponent's got on their yeah. field but you could do two on yeah. one side bike on the other yeah um, my thought with the bike is because it is more delicate mm. in, in its constitution it actually needs to be a turn behind mm. your, yeah, okay. the rest of your yeah, units, yeah. right? Because what you want to be able to do is come in around once they're already engaged and harass them with that machine gun. Yeah.
3: Um, I, I've been using them the opposite way that um, they have recce, which is, you know, a, an additional save. And this, this is something that the enemy can focus on while my other troops is just running up. And that that's probably not... That, that, that's, look, that that's, that's, that's like a very defensive... It, yeah, mindset to an aggressive you actually, force. You actually yeah. cross. It's ironic yeah. because
1: you actually cross the line them um, to them becoming a, uh, a a suicide unit or a. Yeah, um, yeah. You actually cross across a line where you go. I, I'm sacrificial is the yeah. word I'm looking for. Yeah. You're going. You're deliberately going to go. Even though I've got recce, I'm using this as a sacrificial distraction yeah. to buy my army the time to get up. Now that's that's actually not a bad thing, and yeah. an aggressive list can still work with that. Yeah. But you have to know that that's what you're doing yeah, because yeah. what you expect the motorcycle to do is going to be different as, as if you played it as a flanker yeah, yeah, um, yeah it's yeah. going to be very very different so yeah. um but yeah no i look forward to probably seeing yeah, how yeah. you go in, in keep because you, you obviously want to go with the list it. yeah yeah, um, yeah, you yeah you want yeah, to keep um, going so um you have to keep us in tune of your yeah, progress yeah, yeah uh, definitely. how you're and going
0: i think yeah just to touch on that is like if you've played a list and you've only played it once and it's worked that's luck. If you've only yeah. played a list once and it hasn't worked, that's also luck. Yeah. Um, it, it, as, a, as a general rule of thumb, I find that you have to play a list at least three times to start getting a real feel for what works. Yeah. And there was an interesting um, sort of subtext to what we're saying about aggression there. Aggression doesn't mean turn one aggression. Correct. It doesn't yeah. mean early game yeah. aggression. Yeah. It means having the ability to be aggressive at the right moment yeah so it's having like a coiled spring it doesn't mean you just launch straight away sometimes it's exactly what you need to do yeah, yeah. but sometimes it's about setting not necessarily yeah. a trap yeah. but putting yourself in a position so that when you can when the opportunity presents itself you can be hyper aggressive yeah you can just yep. you can really just explode through an opportunity that you see and sometimes